hard to believe that it was a year ago I flew in from Charlotte, North Carolina. I was doing a wedding and I came to this service and met many of you. Uh, but this, there's been a lot, <laughs> a lot of miles uh, since then. A lot of uh, things that have happened in our lives. Uh, we've moved to a new place. We've moved into a new house, two new houses. I guess we had a rental at first and then we moved uh, just down the road here. Our girls moved in the middle of the year and started a new school. I have a new call uh, here at Faith Church, and we've got lots of new friends. And the list goes on and on and on. And through every really step of the way, God has been very faithful to me and my family. And I am very, very thankful uh, for all that God has done in the last year, uh, since uh, the last time I was uh, standing in this place at the Thanksgiving service. There's lots of people I could thank, um, but I I just want to thank all of you, and my family uh, wants to thank you just for the ways that you've welcomed us uh, into your community. Uh, So thank you for the ways you've loved our family, and Lord willing, we'll have many of these times together uh, in the future. People have asked me over the last year this question, uh, what has been the hardest part of the transition for you? Uh, What's been the hardest part of going from campus ministry uh, to uh, pastoring a church? And there's probably lots of things I could say about that, but the thing that sticks out to me is the thing that's been hardest for me probably has been uh, the breath of ministry in the church, the cradle-to-the-grave ministry, as it's called, versus campus ministry, which is a very specific demographic of 18 to 22-year-olds that are in a very specific time in their lives. What I mean by that is I could sit down with a student that while doing campus ministry, and this is a little bit of an exaggeration, but For the most part, when I would sit down with the one-on-one, I could name on one hand the things that we were going to talk about. Someone's broken up with someone, and they're brokenhearted. Uh, Someone's roommate, uh, they're not getting along, and they're in conflict. Uh, Someone didn't get asked to the formal. Uh, You know, there's all sorts of things like that, and some of those things were very serious, of course. Uh, But for the most part, I could look at that student And as I entered in with them, I knew deep down in my heart that things were going to be okay. That things were going to eventually work out for them. And then moving into the church, uh, there's just a lot of suffering. There's a lot of heartache. Uh, There is lots of pain and things that are more serious and more severe. And don't get me wrong, there were things that were serious and severe in campus ministry because that's the real world, and it's a broken world, and college students have pain too. But for the most part, those things would get better. And for the most part, as I enter into things with people in the church, uh, things are not going to get better. And if they're going to get better, it's going to take a long time. And so earlier in the fall, many of you know this, um, I wasn't doing too well. I was really struggling with all the pain that I was encountering and entering into. And then, by God's providence, I was doing the women's Bible study on Wednesday morning. Many of you were in that Bible study. 
And God used that, used his word. I hadn't looked at this book in a couple of years. And God used the book of Revelation to encourage my soul. He used the book of Revelation to make me really thankful. This is a Thanksgiving service. But he used that book to make me thankful that this world is not my home. That this world is not your home. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus promises to come. And we see that over and over in Revelation to make all things new. And so particularly tonight, I'm especially thankful for the hope that we have in Jesus. And so very briefly, I want to look, Martin alluded to it, I want to look at another feast. The feast in which this feast actually points to. And that is Revelation chapter 19. The passage will be on the screen behind me. But as good as this time is, and it's interesting, every, the, from the time I walked in the door, everybody said, the Thanksgiving service, <laughs> just wait. It's the greatest thing in the world. It's the best service of the year. And as good as this is, and this is good because we're all together in one room and we're singing and we're fellowshipping with one another and we're having a wonderful time, but as good as it is, it does not hold a candle and will not hold a candle to that feast in Revelation chapter 19 that awaits us when Jesus returns. Why do you love this feast so much? Why is this all anyone talks about in our church and looks forward to? Because it taps into something that you were made for. Taps into your longings. You see, there's something in you. You were made, not for this feast, you were made for another feast. The wedding feast of the Lamb in Revelation chapter 19. And so, I want to point us to that feast tonight. Revelation 19. This is God's word, verses 6 through 9. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of the mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory, for the marriage supper of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. This is God's word. A couple of comments. Revelation. All the women that have come to women's Bible study, you better know this. Um, but it's written to suffering people. It's written uh, to people who are suffering uh, in the name of Jesus. And John, who is the gospel writer, John, he wrote the book of Revelation, and he comes to these people, and he comes to us this evening, people who are in the middle possibly of hard things and discouragement and Bitterness and maybe cynicism and family issues and loss from someone you dearly love and unmet expectations and a past that we cannot shake. And he comes, remember revelation means to reveal, and so he comes to pull back the curtain and he pulls back the curtain and says, look, I want to show you something to help you endure. I want to show you something to help you to see that it's all worth it. 
And he pulls back the curtain and he shows them a wedding feast. How do we know it's a wedding feast? If you look at verse 9, we know that it's not just a good meal, that it's actually a feast. And feasting is a really important image in the Bible. We see it everywhere. Matthew 22, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding feast. Luke chapter 15, which we looked at a couple of months ago in our church. Uh, Remember the prodigal son who ran away and he ran back to his father? And what did his father do for him? The father's an image of our father, the heavenly father. And he throws a party. He throws a feast for his son. Isaiah 25, 6. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make a feast of rich food. A feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. I love how one commentator puts it. Apparently, heaven will not be a low-cholesterol affair. And I love that. (laughs) Because I like to eat. Is that your view of heaven? You see, that's our hope. That's what we have to look forward to and to be thankful for. Think about the best feast, maybe, uh, that you've ever had, the best meal, the best wedding reception, the best party, this event right here tonight, as good as it is. The wine always runs out. (laughs) The food always runs out. The party always ends. The clock always strikes midnight and another day dawns. Not with this feast. This feast will never end. It's all you can eat highlands for all eternity. Just think about that picture. And so this should lead us to Thanksgiving now. Because the reality of this day is coming. And it was meant to encourage the original readers and original audience, and it's meant to encourage us tonight. And maybe you're thinking, Jason, I hear you, and more than anything, I want to go to this feast, but you don't know the things that I've done and the places that I've been, and I'm just not, I'm not good enough to go to this wedding. I'm not on the guest list. This is a wedding that I'm not worthy to attend. Well, remember, and hopefully this is starting uh, to... Uh, sink in in the life of our church, but the hope of the gospel and the hope of Christianity is not in your goodness and it's not in having it all together and it's not in being religious and good enough. You see, Jesus came and Christianity is about a God who pursues people who do not pursue him. A God who pursues people who are apathetic and angry and unwilling to forgive, and the list goes on and on and on. And God comes to these people, and he comes to us, and he says, I want to be with you, so much so that I want to marry you. I want to make you my bride. This wedding feast in Revelation 19, that's what it's all about. This party and what they're celebrating is not your worthiness. They're celebrating God's worthiness. They're celebrating God's mercy. Look at verses 7 and 8. What will be the attire for this wedding and this feast? It says, his bride has made herself ready. And it was granted her. Notice she didn't come up with her own clothing. We don't come up with our own goodness and what to wear. It was given to us. These clothes of fine linen are bright and pure. And so what that tells us is that this bride, 
the fact that she was given clothing means that she was not always beautiful. You see, that gets back at we really need something. Because of our sin, we need Jesus to come and to dress us and to clothe us and give us our wedding garments. To give us the righteousness that he has won for us by living a perfect life. That's the wedding feast. That's the feast that we're going to. That's the feast that this feast points to. And as good as this night is, and it is really good, it pales in comparison to that feast. And I don't know about you, that gives us great reason for Thanksgiving. Let me pray. Father, we are thankful for the hope that we have. And we're thankful that you are preparing a place for us as we speak and that you will one day come and you will make all of the sad things come untrue and you will bring us to be your bride and we will feast with you forever. Lord, I pray that this Thanksgiving season, Thanksgiving's hard for a lot of people. There's hard family relationships and dynamics Some of us are experiencing the loss of someone we love, and this is the first Thanksgiving that we will not be with them, and it is painful. And so I pray that in the midst of all the emotions and the feelings that Thanksgiving and the holidays bring to us, would you come and fill our hearts and make us thankful that you give us a hope, a hope that will last in the middle of a broken and fallen world. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for us. May we be very thankful. May our hearts overflow this season with thankfulness for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.